I ain't one of them burnouts. You know, comes back, busting guys up, getting high. And I ain't a bum. I keep a house. I pay my way. Hey, I ain't judging, man. Look, I punch in and out. I put on a suit in the morning. I'm being honest. I don't have much of a life. So why? Why punch in? Why the suit? Why? I don't ask myself questions like that. Could be I'm too chicken shit, Mr. Woodard. Drop it! Duncan and both come correct. Welcome back, everyone, to the exciting cliffhanger episode of uh, our, our two-part season opener of uh, uh, Duncan and Bo Detect Truly. Oh, that's better. Yeah, I think so. And <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so we did the first episode. We're doing the uh, the second episode this week. And then next week, as you're listening to this, we'll be doing uh, episodes three and four. And then we'll all uh, be all caught up. So um, we're going to forgo some of the uh, the the normal niceties that we get to around here. Of course, Duncan McLeish, ever present and ever uh, lovely. Oh, thank you. That might be the nicest way you've ever introduced me. And if I did not think that you were lying just for the sake of me for then complimenting you on the nice way you said it, then I don't know where my train of thought was going. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. We've been doing this for a while. Like, all right, so we're we're going to not screw around because nope. we want to jump into uh, episode two of season three of uh, True Detective. Um Duncan, this episode entitled uh, Kiss Tomorrow Goodbye. Yep. Yep. That is what it's called. And if only we had a director that both me and Bo love directing this episode. Well, you're in luck, Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, because uh, episode two, just like episode one, directed by Jeremy Saulnier. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm. And uh directed of course or not directed, but written of course by Nick uh Pizzolato. And uh and Duncan, let's get into it here. Mm-hmm. We got some business afoot. Be snatch, bull, be snatch. So we open on uh in typical true detective fashion, Duncan. Uh we open on dredging a river for a body. <laughs> I'm singing in the rain. It's just like half. <laughs> I know. Um, might be the happiest opening to any true detective episode ever, actually. Children are hand in hand on the bridge looking over the ruddy waters, corpse-filled <laughs> waters. Have you found anything? We ain't found shit. Yeah. So uh, while they're doing that, we we get the autopsy report. And uh, and Hayes and and the dwarf dwarf on uh, dead children, um, <laughs> says. Uh, I'm so glad that's carried over to this episode. <laughs> says that uh, the 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 cause of death here is that uh, it was blunt force trauma. His his neck was broken. He was uh, Will Purcell was killed, taken to that cave and posed. Yeah, he was loved to death. Hugged too hard. Oh, yeah, somebody did a Lenny on him. <laughs> I did the webbit. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> Come on, George. That, uh, the John Malkovich Lenny is one of the greatest and, and most awful uh, things about uh, 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 that has ever been committed to cinema. Agreed. Um, Agreed. It's... He should never have done it, and I'm so happy he did. Oh yeah, yeah. As a guy who, as a guy who um, should be typecast for all time with that, and is not <laughs> weirdly. So like, you remember the performance, but you don't, you don't cast him as that when you think about him. What is Weird. a mentally disabled murderer? No. Yeah, you don't like you don't. Uh, I always think of Cyrus the virus. <laughs> uh, I think of uh, dangerous liaisons. I think of being John Malkovich. Uh, I I think of that time he was on Saturday Night Live. I think of In the Lane of Fire when he's trying to kill the president and only 
only Clint Eastwood right? get off my lawn and it can stop him I see you standing over the body <laughs> of another dead president that's a really good job well, adding to the repertoire of Bo's voices, that's a really fucking good John Malkovich, by the way. That's what I do in the time off. <laughs> uh, Learn all voices just in case a reference comes up in one of our recordings. Yeah, yeah you never know when Malkovich is going to rear his head. <laughs> yeah, he does. He stays, he, interestingly enough, is, uh, is having a bit of a rena- renaissance himself. It's not only was in that Bird Box movie where he is really good in it. Uh-huh. He's about to be in the brand new movie by director of Nightcrawler, uh, Velvet Buzzsaw, which is coming oh. again this month to Netflix. Yeah. Looks real good. Yeah. Along beside a lesser known actress by the name of Tony Collette. I don't think she did anything memorable in 2018. Uh, Rennie Russell, who I do dearly love. And this guy called uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Right. It's like, hey, how do we make Nightcrawler better? Yeah. And yeah. and Nightcrawler is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, a little horror movie direct to Netflix. Yeah. I uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, Dan Gilroy's the real deal. He he's mm-hmm. he, I'm very excited about that movie. Oh yeah. Uh so anyway, uh let's get back to Dead Children, Duncan. Yeah. Um so <laughs> how dare here how dare I segue us away from Dead Children to something we're excited for, only for both to bring us back to the cold, hard uh, <laughs> Nick Pizzolat Pizzolato's view of the world, which is the dredging of wars for dead children and the, the, the autopsy of, of a small child who find out that he was in fact blunt force trauma to death. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we jump forward to 1990 mm-hmm. and it's Hayes out with, uh, his, his old, uh, boss. It's, uh, the, I was trying to get this guy's name and I do not remember. Um, at any rate, uh, we'll, we'll get to, he's one of the guys who's sitting in on the interview, like the, yeah. the, the guy that he's, uh, he used to work with and they go out and they're kind of chit chatting and Hayes is like, Hey, was she caught? And it's like, look, um, like I like him in the, in this scene, uh, you know, his boss that's like, look, after all this is done, I'm going to answer any questions. Like he gives them this, like, we'll talk. Okay. Yeah. After this is done, just don't raise the stink. And after it, we'll talk. And I like him, which means he's probably the killer. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I, f- I feel like I'm right about this. Or he's, or he's involved with some sort of weird warp pedophile ring. But we'll get to that. Right. <laughs> so um, so we, we get uh, back in 1980, uh, the dolls are leading nowhere. They've, they've been showing, showing some pictures around to local kooks, apparently, that have businesses that sell these things. Yeah, weird. Yeah. And and they're like, no, like that's even creepy for this flea market. So sorry. And so that's kind of a dead end for now. And then they interview Trashman, like the dude whose house they've been inside and it it's kind of cluttered and messy and that and dirty. It's not it's not quite king and yellow dirty. Yeah. It it's not that bad, but it's not great. Yeah, he does. He's not fucking his sister and making flowers on her. <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> and and so, uh, Woodard is just a dude who you know w- went to uh, Vietnam and came back. And you know the way he describes it is like, have you ever been somewhere and you can't leave, but you know you can't stay? Mm-hmm. And and that's just his headspace that he. He went away to the war. He came back. He's never been able to drop it. And even Hayes says, like, hey, it took me a year to come down from it all. And uh, it's kind of an interesting conversation. You know, he says, um, like, he just wishes that his life had the simplicity of all I need to worry about is survival. Yeah. And and so his wife left him. His kids left him. Um, There's a great moment where... uh, Dorf on interrogation asks him, Hey, uh, do you like kids in general? 
And <laughs> oh, this is the best answer ever. Because you know, like occasionally someone will try and throw you a curveball question where you know there's a no wins. The Kobe Maru of questions, but and uh, he calls him on it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "What the fuck is the right answer to that question?" And yeah, and they're just like, "Okay, good point. Um, <laughs> good you, answer. Good answer." <laughs> yeah, you you slipped our noose. Um, uh, so. Anyway, but it's interesting. And it like the big takeaway is like this guy does not seem like a killer to me. Mm-hmm. He's not all that suspicious. He's he's just a dude who's kind of broken. He's not violent. And anyway, so they're uh they cut him loose for now. And there's going to be an 8 p.m. curfew. There's a big kind of town meeting where the uh I think it's like the local district attorney maybe. Is that yes. who he is? And yeah, because so, he made comment just after this scene that he makes a big showing of this because he's up for re-election the following year. Yeah, and and in 1990, he is the state attorney general. Yeah, which so, is how these things go, Bo. Yeah, so, and and immediately I'm like, well, he's in on it. I mean, this is <laughs> this is true detective. He's in on something dirty. So <laughs> He's fucked a child. Yeah, something. <laughs> So uh, they announced this curfew and uh, the detectives are there just kind of scanning the crowd because uh, I don't know if it was popular thinking at this point. I guess it was that, you know, it, killers like to uh, sort of be in the mix to. They like to insert themselves into the investigation. Right. And so they're kind of scanning the crowd. And um, it turns out like Hayes is like, I didn't see anybody. Not anybody that, you know, some people that had shady eyes or whatever, but nobody that looked like a killer, you know. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, he, just, he, he refers to his redneck radar, which I love. Yeah, right. That, that could just be my redneck radar messing with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then uh, he spies, he's telling this to the dwarf uh, and his boss, and then he spies Amelia coming out and... Um, He's like, hang on, y'all. I gotta, I gotta go get it wet real quick, and <laughs> kind of jogs back to to the community center. And he's uh, he's chatting with her, and he's like, hey, how's the school? And and she's like, you know, it's sad. Everyone's a little sad because of uh, of what's happened. And then he shows a picture of this doll, and uh, and she's like, I don't know if I've seen it or not, but can I keep it? And he's like, yeah, you can keep anything you want, baby. What uh. <laughs> How about how about I give you a call sometime and then her uh very white boyfriend shows up and it's like Amelia, time to go. <laughs> and we're like, they're not gonna stay together. Right. It's clear this is this is gonna uh like Amelia is gonna look, one look at uh Marushana uh, God, why cannot say I cannot say his I name. just refer to him as Ali. My Herschela Ali. Yeah. Ugh. Damn my stupid tongue. Uh, damn those eyes. Um. Anyway, but yeah, it's him. So of course she's like, "Look, this, this dude's kind of lame. He looks like a hipster. He probably collects vinyl. This guy's solving murders and being a fucking superhero of the woods." Superhero of the woods. She's like, told, she's told all of that. She's like, hey, I've just met you and this is crazy, but here's my number and call me maybe. Uh-huh. I got it. I saw, I, I read between the lines. They were looking at each other and it was like, you know, <laughs> I've been feeling tired, baby. Yeah, he's going to Carly Ray Jack off thinking about her. <laughs> is that who sings that? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know. Suddenly, like you said jack off, which made I, me laugh because I'm immature as fuck. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, so we flash forward to 2015, and his uh, his son is uh, yeah. They're like eating dinner and whatnot, and and his son is like, "Hey, haven't we spent enough time on this? You know, like yeah. on, on just on on all of this shit, this case of of the Purcell children, and." Um, or I'm sorry, this is when they're in the car. I apologize. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, the, the, this because we need to, like, because my understanding of how this episode ends 
is like something we have to reference in yeah. direct reference to this, right? Yes. So they're out in the vehicle driving around, and basically Hayes is saying that you know he needs to get an to this because his memory's really bad, and this kind of jogging his memory. It's also remem- making him remember his wife, this kid's mother, um, because every now and again he just can't. Re- yeah, that way. I- I'm the same. Like, like my grandparents have been dead for. Even in fact, my dad's been dead for what ten must be about ten years, and I struggle to remember what his face looks like. You know yeah, maybe just like you can't. You, I can, I can remember things he did, but I, I struggle to remember how he looked. Um, and you know, this is what he's basically saying that he, can, he can't. Like he, he, he feels that that his 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 memory of her, the way she looked, the way she acted, and all that is just out of reach. It's just like, and by traveling back along the route of the you know the important things in the crime, it somehow connects her back to her. Because obviously, this is what the relationship is kind of based on. What comes out of is this horrible event that happened that basically you know got them together and you know create their family from it, but. In particular, the the bit where they're having this conversation is in front of. Am I right by saying the the town hall? Yeah, yeah. This kind of community center thing. Right, right. Well, I don't think this is the kind of town that it, like has a town hall proper. I think this is like, hey, this is where we have the city council meetings and shit like that. Yeah, and it's as notable because it's on the corner of these two streets, which, whose names escape me. Oh, uh, it is. Uh, ba-ba-ba-ba. Uh, Briarwood and Shoepick. Yes, right. So, like, and like the camera zooms in on that, and I'm like, it's interesting that it's done that because it's done that a couple of times, and obviously this is to set up between the different time frames. This is where we are now, and the uh, the community center, uh, community hall, uh, is in various shades of disrepair, and that is badly vandalized. And the the you know, with graffiti and the grass is kind of overgrown. So time has passed and moved on over these areas. And um, yeah, it's time is a cruel mistress, Bo. Um But yeah, so he's he's having this conversation with his son in the car anyway, and kind of basically spelling all this out. You get you you can already tell from the son's body language that maybe tired <laughs> of right. Yeah, this is like something. This is a a story that's probably you know. It is more associated with the family, and we get to see some of the flashbacks to family events and stuff later on. But you know, this is something that he's—you get the feeling that even the son knows the case inside out by now. Yeah, and he also asks after the sister Rebecca. And, yes, and and his son's like, you know, you know, you've talked to her a few months ago, but it's been a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then we cut back to 1980, Duncan. Because now it's time we get uh, to get our like action squad. <laughs> so we've got uh, the, the way that uh, our our you know district attorney or whatever is going to handle this is he's like, hey, I'm going to assemble a task force, mm-hmm. and so we're going to have uh, two uh, of the detectives chase down the kidnapping angle of the the missing girl, mm-hmm. whereas. Uh, our team is going to be Hayes and Dorf on murder. They're going to handle the homicide. <laughs> so, so the the kidnapping pair are like, "Hey, you want to catch us up?" And they're like, "We can't. We we've got to get to a funeral mm-hmm. because Will Purcell is getting buried." And uh, so, funerals happening. Then we we cut to the you know sort of party after, um of of everyone and it's not party it's a wake, uh, party is probably overstating the enthusiasm everyone there <laughs> has. <about> <laughs> Thinking of an Irish wake, you know that's a little bit of a party. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so we we finally meet Uncle Dan, the the guy that was hanging out in Will's bedroom. Mm-hmm. And so Dorf on Uncle Dan and Hayes. <laughs> I'm gonna keep doing it. Uh <laughs> is like, hey man, um this is uh you know, we got some questions for you. Uh, are you thinking about leaving town? Can you account for your whereabouts? He's like, the fuck, dude? Like, have you seen what's going on in there? Like, and Dan seems like a pretty together guy. He's like, Man, I honestly those kids were not having a great time of things. Uh, uh you know, 
you see what's going on with Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> Have you met her by the way? Right. She's a hot mess. You yeah. know, like this was all heading south well before the kids went missing and it's only worse now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're like Dan comes across as a guy, just me playing armchair detective here. He is a guy that I think is, it's reasonable to suspect him, but he cops to the skin mags pretty quickly. Yeah, because the, the the very quickly he's just like, you know, did you know, did you leave porn there? And he's like, yeah, kind of did. Yeah, maybe didn't lift them with me. Maybe didn't take them away. So we're now like that. Okay, right. So that's the porn accounted for. Take that. So he does. He like he's not he's not hate. Well, he doesn't appear to be hiding anything. Um, in his conversation to the point where I'm like that, right, this guy might be honorable, but then part of me is like that, or is he? Yeah, it, it, the fact that he gets so offended at the implication that he's kind of a dirtbag mm-hmm. uh, is a, a mark in his favor to me. If, you're, if your immediate reaction when someone's like, hey, are you into little kids? Where you're like, the fuck, man? Yeah, like, plus you know. the, the plea boys belie that. As an, a theory, you know what I mean. If you're if you're spanking it to Playboys, chances are you're not spanking it to whatever you're seeing through that people. If you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with yeah. you. And and Dan is like, hey, I'm taking off. Like I don't have to listen to this shit. <laughs> By the way, my nephew's just been buried. Uh, right. Like, what, what are we doing here, guys? <laughs> oh, but wait, because Tom's mom and dad. Oh, they're a piece of work, boy. Uh, are. <laughs> just letting it go like uh tom's well, mother right she, she's a fucking mouth like a fucking windy trap door yeah like, she, literally just like, she <laughs> is all but saying that lucy courtney loved the kids <laughs> and and the dad has to like shut it down just like of all days helen He's like, he's like, <laughs> Helen, pass the peas. <laughs> you just please, Helen, pass the peas. Audrey, <laughs> we pass the goddamn peas. Um, uh, like, because she, but the thing is, though, she starts talking about it, and he's like, oh, Yeah, I don't think this is the time or place, Helen. And she's like, Yeah, yeah. Uh, all I'm saying is, he wasn't even around when she got pregnant. He's like, Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for fuck. you like, like i feel sorry for this guy right the father is just like i've heard this so many times he he, yeah. he finally gets her shut down he's like i'm actually 22 no. years old this is how this is how i've aged being in this manage right i was i was originally a gigolo <laughs> a fresh-faced hard-bodied gigolo and six months later, the, this woman has me looking like the yeah. dad from She's Having a Baby. Yeah, I, I was a first-tier Chippendale, and look at me. <laughs> uh-huh. I, at once upon a time, I was the Patrick Swayze Chippendale, and now I'm the Chris Farley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, like, they're having this conversation. Obviously, she gets shut down, and then the cops turn around, and there's... M- McSurley, eh, he's like that. Can we? Can you just get the fuck out of my house? Can we do this another time? Right. The cops are like, yeah, probably. Yeah. How, how about you leave the funeral uh, <laughs> of my child and stop questioning people? So, but all right. So, Duncan, time to get your uh, conspiracy cap on. My conspiracy cap is now on. Oh, on right now. Perfect. Because we jump forward to 2015 with old yep. Detective Hayes. And he, the uh, our director lady, uh, Eliza, um, it, she suggests that the dolls might be indicative of the crooked spiral. Yes. Which is a pedophile ring of like, you know, super well-to-do, like very conspiratorial stuff. And I, I really think that this is... She mentions, well, she d- directly references the Franklin cover-up. So. Yes. So um, it is Pizzolatto like doing a little fan service here, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. So he's mentioning that he's mentioned like like if if a character surfaces somewhere in Arkansas called Tuttle, 
Um, I'm going to be like, oh, my nipples are going to get wrecked. Um, because, yeah, ultimately what we found out from season one is that, you know, some grown-ups be fucking some kids. Sure, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it turns out they all tend to pal around with really wealthy people. Um, and those wealthy people will do everything in their power to make sure that things stay secret. Um which does not happen in real life, Bo. That would never happen in real life. Only in works of fiction. Um, but yeah, so we're we're, we're, we're grounding we're grounding this with a bit of we're, we're crossing over real world conspiracy into the the deep dark heart of uh, Nick Pisolato's work. And yeah, I'm getting I, I'm I'm done with this. I'm I'm done with. I'm like yes. This is what I want in my show. You're 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 scratching that itch for me, Nick. You're you're you get you're hitting all the beats. Uh, you're playing that tune that I love. Um, but I I think it's so overt. I think it's him just having a good time with the audience. Oh, like I don't. Of course, it is. this is not going to go anywhere. It's just what about this? Because the reaction that um, Hayes had, but no, Hayes' reaction is like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, but it's like, maybe not to that extent, but there is something kind of, and we will get into it later on this episode, but there is something weirdly creepy about those bride-like dolls and the fact that the small girl was abducted. Right. Right, you know what I mean. There is something about that. Like if you read into things like the the Franklin cover up and all the rest, I'm not saying that's where we're going with this show, but I'm just saying that is very much grounded in kids being abducted and then over a long period of time being conditioned a particular way, which I will not mention on the show because it's fucking horrible. Um, for the the purposes of very r- rich and well to do men, um, so. It's not totally inconceivable that it's happening, but also at the same time, this little filmmaker chick here is firing out with loads of like she jumps from that to racial discrimination in the force. Um, so you get this feeling that yeah, she she this this chick has obviously studied film. She's probably done a semester of psychology, you know, on the side. Maybe done a little bit of of a uh, um, you know kind of equality and politics a little bit of history and all the rest and now she's 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 bringing all of that she seems to have a lot of kind of lofty ideas and she's trying to tangentially make a story out of all these parts here which i think will come into focus as the show goes on but the fact that she goes from franklin cover-up to racial discrimination within the force basically saying to hayes did you ever feel that because of your color of because of the color of your skin your theories were not taken as serious as or not investigate uh, like your colleagues. And he's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Shuts out the show. He's like, no, I'd never come across that. Um, because our evidence that we've seen thus far is that everything he said, well, particularly in the 80s anyway, was taken serious because his partner, even his partner is kind of enamored by his skills. Um, so, yeah. So, like, I, I'm with you. I think it is such a blatant, like, high five to the fans. What about that? What about that pedophilia? Yay. Yeah, you know, right. It's like high fiving. Uh, but at the same time, I'm like, hmm, <laughs> hmm, because there is something, and in particular, the note we get later on in this episode would hint towards something like that. But I will shut up now. But yeah, it is like a kind of whoa, <laughs> massive, huge kind of. Uh, are we doing this in this season? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, then they get around to talk about the dolls and, and, you know, how this originally the conversation began with, well, maybe, you know, these were uh, a symbol of this, this kind of ring and whatnot. And he says, you know, it was really Amelia who broke that lead. Yeah. And then we cut back to 1980 where Amelia is at, uh, the, the schoolyard mm-hmm. and there's a kid who uh she is showing a picture of the dolls too and he's like oh yeah um you know we got our uh julie got one of those in her halloween bag and the kid's really upset you know i had a, a crush on her uh later um amelia uh sort of theorizes that 
yeah, he was probably kind of into Julie and, and they hung out and whatnot and, and is taking the death kind of hard. And then we have a scene where a perfectly healthy Tom, uh, <laughs> who is not having any problems at, at home at all. None at all. He's a he's, he's zippity doodan and a high ho and all his way right back into work. Right. So he's going back to work at the Spark Factory. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, a body works is what it, what it is, but it's just a b- bunch of people grinding metal. Yeah, it, like it, it walks to the door. And it's like right. There's all like a, weaving through the corridors and stuff to get these a cartoon girder swinging overhead. Somebody's got a iron lunch pail, you know. Um. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah, he's like he starts. He starts grinding on some metal, and uh, the guy behind him's like, "Yo, Tom, Tom, Tom," and Tom can clearly hear him as well. And he's like, "Oh, not no, not no, just leave it." Tom, Tom, and he's like, and he switches everything off and makes a big show of it, like putting everything down. All the rest turns around. He's like, "What?" And he's like, "I didn't think you'd be in." Right. Uh, and Tom kind of looks at him as if to say, what? Uh, and then the manager comes over, as managers will do, or the foreman, or the gaffer, whatever you want to call him. And he's like, why are you here? He's like, because you, know, you just want me to sit in the house and just wallow in that. I need to be here. I need to like earn some money. I need to... To get some scratch, bull. You know what I mean? Stay on that scratch. Yeah, I. You know, this was one of those things. Having uh, not to bring the room down, Duncan, on a True Detective mm-hmm. podcast, but um, I, I really got this. Like when uh, we were dealing with uh, my mom being sick last year, um, and and you know, ultimately passed away. Uh, but I really did want to get back to work as quick as oh, I yeah. could. You it's just throw yourself into it because it takes your mind off it. Right. Like, and, work, work is routine. Work is routine. It's something you can focus your brain on, give it attention. Um, and it, believe it or not, it kills a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be strangely therapeutic in a way. So mm-hmm. I really felt for him in this scene up until the point where he's just like, what's the matter? You guys never seen a guy with that kid before? How about you go fuck yourself? <laughs> and fuck you and fuck you and fuck you. <laughs> Scooter McStinky ain't gonna sit here and just let you boys hold a pity party for him. I'm ready to get to work. <laughs> Scooter McSkitty's pity party. <laughs> <laughs> seems, like, seems like the worst kids book ever. <laughs> Scooter McStinky is hopping down Poppity Lane. Um, so about his dead child. Um, <laughs> Well, and his boss rolls in, it's just like, hey, man, I put you on leave. And he's like, I never wanted that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. You're, you're, taking, you're taking the few days I have as leave and you're putting them on this. Right. <laughs> Me and the missus was going to go to Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> Not, we were going to visit them Bahamas. I already bit, burned one work day on a goddamn funeral. <laughs> For some reason... Tom has got a little bit of the Brimley about him. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, a little bit. A yeah. little, God damn it. <laughs> Killed my <laughs> child, God damn it. That's my boy. <laughs> I found him, found him praying. I meant he went right to heaven, God damn it. It gives you a job. <laughs> While I get to the pearly gates, I'm going to look at my boy. With pride. <laughs> Taking tickets at the pearly gate, goddammit. <laughs> uh, it was only a matter of time. It was only a matter of time. So, so Tom is like, I quit, goddammit. And then <laughs> storms out. <laughs> and uh, so... Um, now we're at the station and they've brought in, uh, the, the, you know, crybaby kid from the playground, uh, yeah. that's all They're Julie. really working him over with like a phone book to the ribs and, you know. Yeah, it's Dorf on Dolls all day long. <laughs> Dorf on Dolls. Where he's like, hey, where, where did, you know, have you seen this? Where did you see it? When did, what, did she have it? Uh, like when you, when you met up with her and, 
he the kid says interestingly duncan mm-hmm. that she saw or he saw rather julie talking to a lot of grown-ups including two ghosts in big sheets michael myers yeah with the <laughs> the john carpenter remix score you know what's going on anymore so hey <laughs> hayes ends up giving the kid a map and is like show me all the the kids you trick-or-treated at and the kid uh re- remembers and also puts a pass fail grade beside each one mm-hmm. it's like hey, look this was you know milk duds it's just all right these people tried to slip apple slices in a Ziploc bag to us. Wrong. <laughs> Weak. Uh-huh. I mean, a Tootsie Roll is the bare minimum you can do in this scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, and anybody who at Halloween wants to give a child fruit should be boiled in their own pudding. Um, <laughs> I think I'm mixing holidays. So... <laughs> So while uh, after they cut this kid loose, it's clear he didn't do it. Um, Are you saying that these should have cake or death? <laughs> yes, I do. Um, so <laughs> thank you for flying West Fork, Arkansas. Cake or death? Okay, cake or death? Cake or death? Um, <laughs> We're out of cake. Uh, so anyway. <laughs> they, they cut the kid loose and uh hayes and and the dwarf are on their way home and uh they see uh drunky mcscooterson yeah just wandering the streets just, hey god damn it <laughs> been drinking since 1980 <laughs> and <laughs> so they, they're like, hey, let's get you home. And so the, he's in the backseat of the car. And he says like this really heartbreaking thing where he's like, eh, I can't go to sleep and I can't wake up. Mm-hmm. Oh, poor guy. Not handling things well, Duncan. No, no, no. Plus, he just quit his job. Right. Like he's gotten, he is not at peak dating profile. No, you know? no. His plenty of fish profile would look bad. Yeah, it really, really would. Um, plenty of fish. Is that the Christian one? I've no idea. I've no idea. Like, I, I, as the one that sprung to mind, I was going to say Tinder, but we're we're a bit early. <laughs> I suppose so. And Tinder, in my mind, isn't dating. Tinder is fucking. Oh, well, I have never used it, Bo, so I would not know. I'm oh. not. I'm not a, a young, cool. Hip single guy with a cinema in his basement, right? Yeah, you know I'm a bit of a swinger, Duncan. <laughs> As in to swing, um, <laughs> swing. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what I like about the basement. Watch a movie, keep a body. It, it serves a lot of functions. Dual, dual purpose, dual purpose. Yeah, love it. Yeah, there's a there's a little room on, under the stairs for British wizards. <laughs> so, there's there's two fridges there one for your beer one for the blob <laughs> yeah there's definitely going to be a blob fridge <laughs> i've got carpenters working on that now um with a tap i'm gonna be able to pull a, bl- a blob out on tap oh nice mm-hmm. fancy uh so uh hayes and the dwarf want to do a quick search of the neighborhood uh yeah. as part of their investigative uh strategy and the suit, the the kind of uh, district attorney, not district, uh, yeah, I guess he is district attorney. Yeah, district attorney. Um, is like, uh, that seems uh, stupid because w- people would uh, get spooked and they don't like their rights infringed upon. And so his plan is to release photos of the dolls and ask people if they if they know anything. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, does not think this is a good idea. No, Hayes is like, hey, that is the one thing we know. How about we continue to know that by ourselves for a while instead of letting the public know? Mm -hmm. And the suit is like, 
Uh, all right, we'll think about it or something. <laughs> Agree or disagree. Right. <laughs> yeah, he should. This is like he is very much the, you know, I'm trying to get myself elected uh, again and to a higher office ultimately. You know, kind of I, everything is filtered through a political perspective. And, yeah. it, you know, this is why he's assembled the task force. Like, how do I solve this crime as quickly as possible? Yvonne Burgundy's this, doesn't he? Like, because he gets told not to, and he's like, when in Rome? <laughs> you know, you're yeah. not using that, right? Yeah, when in Rome, I think I am. So, um, anywho, they uh, meet a, a dude from uh, or, uh, the dwarf. We get the dwarf on doorsteps <laughs> uh, on informants. Because he gets a, a tip from a dude who's working Vice mm-hmm. that is a pedophile that just got released. Oh yes, and um, so they uh, he gives him that information. There's a kind of a joke about like, so this is what you come to work to every day because he's like in an office with nude photos and you know porn movie posters and shit like that. Yeah. Um, so then we have a moment between Hayes and Amelia who meet for drinks. And uh, again, it's just a little bit of back and forth of like they're, they're doing some hardcore flirting here. Mm-hmm. And um, the date, though, is interrupted because there is a press conference going on. And Hayes is, like tells the bartender, like, hey, turn that up quick. Like what the what the fuck is going on here? And it's the DA um saying, Hey, here are these dolls we found. If anyone has any leads, <laughs> we'd really appreciate it. And Hayes is like, I gotta go. Yep. Uh cuts the date <laughs> short, is like, I gotta go get up in somebody's ass about this. And finds a dwarf who is uh um not Like, it's pretty quick to be like, hey, man, there wasn't nothing I could do about this. And Hayes is like, hey, you were supposed to stop this. He was like, why why didn't you stop it? And so they're pissed off for a second. And then they're just like, all right. Like, (laughs) this is fucked up. But because it gives away the one lead they had, right? So Hayes is like, I got nothing. I mean, without the dolls. And that's no longer a thing that's, you know, we can count on. I got nothing. And Dorf is like, hey, I got this tip on a dude uh, from somebody from Vice. And he gives him the the guy's uh, file. And Hayes flips through it a little bit. And he's like, let's go get him. And But the Dorf uh, on uh, procrastination is like, hey, we're going to do that in the morning. So uh, then we cut to 2015. Where Hayes uh, has this reveal that, hey, we, after the doll stuff got released, there's a bunch of false leads, panic set into town, and we get a shot of 1980 where there's this empty bus rolling through the streets, Mm -hmm. stopping in front of a house for a child who never emerges. It's a great shot. It's really cool. It's it's one of the more like creepy and effective moments I think in in the episode. Um so uh then back to 2015 where Hayes uh oh I'm sorry. It, so ba- still in 1980 they then go to a diner where they nab one Ted Lagrange. A ha ha ha. <laughs> you've got the time um and they just kind of light up beside this guy and he's like oh shit and they're like hey uh you ted lagrange ha 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 he's like no because he's got this new name and they're like we know who you are and he and then uh i think it's hayes who looks at dorf is like you getting anything to eat He's like, nope. He's like, yeah, me neither. And the next shot is they've got this motherfucker tied to a beam out in the middle of nowhere. 
Yeah, because you're thinking, right, and this is this is what I was saying earlier on um, in the previous episode that we recorded, that I like, I like complicated cop characters. The idea of, you know, playing by the book. I want to say in film and TV, I like complicated. I, I, in real life, I want cops to play it by the rules all the time. But I like it when we get these these levels here. And what, what appears to be apparent here is a lot of the malicious, really nasty shit that's that's going to happen to this dude uh, during this episode. I'm not entirely sure it's not Hayes that's driving this. And I, I, I will, I will make reference to a conversation later on when a dude is in a boot um, that Hayes has with him that, you know, even made me go, you know, wince a little bit. But yeah, so the the handcuff, <laughs> there's a line about you, you just go around like handcuffing white guys to to pose, and Hayes is like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, and Rob's like, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, they're questioning him. And, and, you know, basically, uh, Dorf, uh, Dorf on the body is <laughs> working the, the abdomen while Hayes is asking him questions. And ultimately, uh, LaGrange, ha, 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 says that he was playing guitar. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, no, he's working at, uh, the daycare center. So they, yeah. they roll out to the daycare center to like check this dude's alibi uh, and the lay there is like, oh, no, 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 he, you know, he helps all the time. And I, I don't know the name Ted LaGrange. I know this other fucking name that he's using. <laughs> and he played guitar that day for the kids and he stayed late to help us uh, put some stuff out. And Hayes is like, hey, he, you're never going to see him again. Mm-hmm. And if you do, here's my card and you give me a call. And that is some cold shit to say to somebody who works at a daycare. You got, there are follow-up questions galore yeah. to that move. Although she just like takes the car and is like, okay. Yeah. I, I think it's that, it's that kind of older mentality of that. There's a certain generation of people that just don't want to ask questions, Bo. Yeah. So um, th- we jump forward a little bit to 1990, which is Hayes talking to his old boss again. And the thing we also learn in this, you know, slight future is that not only is the Julie Purcell going to be hunted for, because that's what Hayes is asking. It's like, who's looking for? Is she alive? I mean, was she part of the robbery? Was she just uh, somebody who wandered into this place that was being robbed? Like, what do we know? And that's when he's like, hey, nobody's on that case yet. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we're going to look for her, but... We, you know, essentially the implication is that's about to become his case. Um, so, uh, all right, back to 1980. This is the scene you were talking about where they're tossing this dude, uh, or he's in the trunk and yeah. it's, uh, Dorf on torture and Hayes, <laughs> um, are just like, look, you ever tell anybody about this? We will kill you. Like we took you out here to put the fear of God into you to, to let you know that the next time you don't come back from this trip. Mm-hmm. And the line I think you're referring to is, uh, Hayes telling him that they'll basically set him up with his parole officer so yeah. that he goes back into prison and that, uh, he will arrange it. Hayes will arrange it. that So some black bulls will enjoy themselves with yeah. uh ted lagrange and he says you will bleed black cock yeah oh it's one of the fucking most savage lines i've ever heard <laughs> right and even like a dwarf on surprise here is like the fuck dude <laughs> yeah it's like yeah so <laughs> It's pretty complicated great. Complicated cop characters. I love complicated cop characters. So they they shut him back in the trunk and are heading back to town to you know take take him back to civilization, and they get a call, which is uh, word that a note has come in at the Purcell place, mm-hmm. and uh, so then we jump forward again to nineteen ninety. And this is post him having this, you know, going out for drinks with his old boss. 
and his wife Amelia uh, is like, "Hey, you know, you're a little late. Did you get a little shit face while you were out?" And he's real distant. Uh, like she got the the galleys for the book that she wrote about uh, the Purcell case, and um, you know, there there's a bit here about uh you know like why are you so distant what is going on with you like there's a whole deal with him at dinner and the kids noticing that he's just totally out of it and later he's just like no i'm not drunk it's that julie purcell is alive Mm -hmm. and this seems to take his wife back too. like it it's one of those things where like as soon as she hears that she's like oh okay like i now i understand why you were so out of it and uh, it seems to hit her like a brick as well. Back with uh, the interview in 2015, Hayes is being asked about, you know, Julie and her father. And that's mm-hmm. how it, it's always framed that way, Julie and her father. And the producer or interviewer or whatever is like, you know, I, I'm just curious. Did you ever, did you have theories about this? Did you ever think uh, that something else might have happened? And we don't know what any of this is. It's yeah. just all a big cock tease, Duncan. Oh, yeah. Just setting up episode three. Yeah. And because that's where we are. We're just getting ready to to launch into episode three. So, um, and he, he kind of gives one of those, like, Bruce Banner, Hulk lines from the Avengers. Where it's like, you know, here's my secret. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I'm always angry. But in this case, he's like, I never stop coming up with theories about this case. You know, mm-hmm. clearly this is the the one that has consumed him all his life. And um, then back to 1980 we go, Duncan, for the reveal of the note, which is one of those, uh, if you're going to do a note, Duncan, where you mm-hmm. kidnap people, this is the kind of note you want to do. Where it's the letters cut out of paper and magazines and stuff. And the... Uh, the letter is like, hey, Julie is fine. Um, she's in a good place now. And you need to stop looking for her. Yeah. And, you know, like the husband, Tom, is freaking out. Like, What's this movie? God damn it. And- <laughs> well, yeah, because it's that line that she's in a good place. What does that mean does that mean that she's still alive or does that mean she's dead right in the last lines of the note are let go yeah um so that's real fucked up and then we cut back to 2015 and this is the dinner table scene where hayes is uh you know uh, he's talking to his son's wife at the dinner table about you know well this is helping me remember you know it uh it's helping my brain and my memory uh, by thinking about the case again, even though his son is like, I wish we would just let all of this go. Mm-hmm. And then he asks again about Rebecca, his his daughter. And they're like, oh, and, and his uh, daughter-in-law says, oh, yeah, I talked to her a few weeks ago. She's out in L.A. And, uh, you know, she hasn't come back in a long time. And you know she hates it here. And um, he seems surprised. Hey, seems surprised. And he's like, yeah, she did? And he's like, yeah, you know, she never really belonged here. And uh, he's like, huh, all right. Well, hey, has anybody talked to Rebecca lately? Yeah. And it's like, oh. And and that's an actual medical condition, the idea that uh, sunsetting is what it's called. Mm -hmm. That, like, people who experience uh, uh, Alzheimer's and dementia symptoms, that it gets worse at night. Yeah. And it's really sad, of course. And then uh, we have this kind of dream sequence, I guess, of him at the corner of Shoepick and Briarwood, or or he's gone wandering. I can't really tell. Actually, yeah, this is this is the, so this is what confused me um, about the end of this one, and kind of spins up this once again this unreliable narrator thing that we have. So there's one or two ways to look at this. The first way is it's a dream, right? And in this dream, he's at the same corner. Um, it's at night. He's in his pajamas. Um, and it looks like he's drove there, but doesn't know how he got there. Uh, the second possible scenario is that he is basically driven out there in his pajamas for some reason. Um, and Memento-esque 
has lost the time between that conversation to that point. But what is significant about this scene is when the camera pans around to the community centre we saw earlier in the episode, in this time frame of 2015, it's not fucking there anymore. It's, you know, it's a it's derelict. It's not even just an empty building. It's the building has, it's gone. It's yeah. been demolished. Yeah, it's uh, like a foundation, like a ragged broken tooth, you know? Yeah, and he he looks very confused out of that. Like, I look confused out of that because the first thing I thought is, see, my opinion is that this is, this isn't a dream. This is, this is just him. This is him at that time there. And if that's not there, really not there, and this is him realising that the building's not there, then it wasn't there earlier on when he drove. And maybe what we're seeing through his eyes in that time frame isn't real either. And if that is the case, um, it, it throws into question a lot of what's happening in the 2015 time frame, as well as what is happening in the 1980 time frame. So we work either in the assumption that the flashbacks uh, in 1980 are happening through the prism of part being legit through 1990s eyes and part being skewed slightly through 2015's eyes. But if that is also that prism we're working through, then maybe what's happening in 2015 isn't exactly linear either. Um, and if that's the case, then all bets are fucking off. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't feel like a dream sequence to me. Um, it felt it felt like he, you know, but for whatever reason, Memento is the great example that we mentioned in the previous episode that he's leaving himself these little notes because he is missing time. He somehow ended up back at this corner, which makes me think something important is going to happen at this at this corner because we've been here a few times now. So something down the road is going to link him back to here. Um, and this is why he keeps revisiting it. But in this particular point in time, the building that was there what the day before uh, for this character isn't mm. there at all now so interesting I, I i got i got excited when when this happened because i was just like right like this story is infinitely more dense than i thought it was and i can't wait to pick into it yeah it, it really is it's it's one of those things that we can't answer until the next episode but you know as with the show uh th- this season has been uh, a fun springboard for those kinds of weird theories about what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. and, and because we're de- dealing with concepts like time and everyone's talking about dreams and being half awake and half asleep and half trapped and half free and these states of like purgatory that all yeah. these characters are in, like it all feels like we're building towards something. Um, I thought that both of these episodes, you know, kind of taken as, as a pair um were really exciting and fun and it has all the stuff i want to see in a true detective series which is i'm intrigued by the mystery i like the characters and also there's this weird eerie something that is drifting through all of it that feels very ominous and and is like you're just constantly in this show waiting for the other shoe to drop yeah and and i dig that um so I had a blast with with this pair of episodes, Duncan, and I don't like the only theory I have moving forward right now is that it's probably going to be uh, some sort of police corruption is involved in something and that whoever it is that most likable at the end of the third episode will be, in fact, the uh, the killer and or ringleader. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I think. Like we know our true detectives, so someone high up, some business, some authority figure of some description is going to be involved. It's just finding the way to that. Um, and were you like the district attorney guy? As usually a a safe bet um, that someone running for office or something like that, the, the, some sort of political kink going on there anyway. Um, sexual kink in the background potentially but certainly at this point there are plenty of people that it could be um but what i think we're going to find out maybe in the next episode is who did go down for it i don't think they're going to make us wait too long for that um and then once we found out who goes down for it we then get to this is the beauty of it we're going to get to see 
over these three time frames, someone be arrested for the crime, potentially someone be exonerated for the crime, and then the fallout thereafter. We know for a fact from these episodes that after the events of 1990, Hayes quits the police force. So something happens, and he's not happy about it. So it's exciting, man. I really, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I am, I am all in on this. Uh, is everything that I kind of hoped it would be for the first two episodes: dark, weird, mysterious, intriguing, with just a hint of the occult, which I think just gives it, you know, just that that. that just that little something else that we don't get in a lot of other TV shows, uh, which me just gives depth, even if they don't fledge it out or anything like that. The fact that it's in the background makes it feel very true detective. So I'm all in. Yeah, I, I think this is very promising. We do not have a Taylor Kitsch we don't like. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, there's uh, there's just, you know, Dorf on True Detective, which I enjoy. Uh the yeah it, it it it's a solid beginning and i'm curious to see how they continue to layer on the true detectiveness of it i assume within the next two episodes uh we will find someone dead in a mask <laughs> a crow head maybe <laughs> potentially um i mean let's let's ryan murphy this and just bring all the the seasons together mm-hmm. uh and you like the, they're like, hey, we've got to get our old pal Matthew McConaughey in uh, to to help us out solve this case, you know. And it's uh, uh, it's Hayes v. Uh, oh, geez, what was his name in that? You you've watched it more recently? Rustin Cole. Rustin Cole. Yeah, Hayes v. Cole. Um, in a in a detective off. Yep, I want to see that. So. <laughs> I want. I want to see that. Yeah, it's 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 all looking good thus far. Um, some outlets have seen up to episode five, um, and I've I did a bit of reading before I started to the non-spoiler reviews out there, and the general consensus is this season's good. So, um, you know, I'm not hearing the complaints I was hearing about season two. So, I'm I'm very much looking forward to. It. I want this show to succeed. Like, yes, because I want that. I, I I love anthology TV shows that just do a different thing every season, and um, there's not a lot of this going around. Weirdly, we you like when you see television, there is like there's a very nice landscape for standalone seasons that deal with like the darker aspects of of murder, crime, and all the rest. I I think there is room for that, and there are very few shows that put it together um, in the writing style that Nick Pizzolatto does. So, and, yeah, I I can't wait. We we will be back um, in a week's time, and we're we're hammering you with a double bill of episodes, episode three and four, which will officially take us to the halfway mark of the season. So, um, I know. I expect by the end of that episode, something fucking huge will have happened because midway point episode four, and that's when shit goes down. Yep. So, uh, folks, thanks again for listening. We will be back uh, next week with episodes three and four. Duncan, in the meantime, uh, should people want to uh, check you and uh, and your business out, uh, <laughs> <laughs> where would they do such a thing? Uh, come across and check me out on Podcast Under the Stairs. On Facebook, it's uh, Podcast Under the Stairs or Teapots Cast. And the website is teaputzcast.com. Excellent. And you can find more of this and uh, me and plenty of other shows uh, that are me-free um, over in legionpodcasts.com. Uh, and we would appreciate, uh, you know, subscribing and, and leaving us a rating. That always helps out. Uh, in the meantime, uh, have a great week, everybody. And we will be back uh next week for uh the next two episodes of true detective season three uh have a good night everybody say good night duncan good night duncan
Condition was in. 